0: Hey everyone, and welcome to the We With Dirty Diapers podcast. (laughs) This podcast is designed to help me and my friend Joel understand life, philosophy, religion, and pretty much everything else by discussing it until we do. If you enjoy long-winded rants by people who know as much as you do, then you will love this podcast. We upload every week on Friday. You can check us out on all the platforms, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, etc., or our website, wewithdirtydiapers.com. Thanks for listening, and remember, who can change us but ourselves? Five, four, three, two, one.
1: Then I saw in the right hand of the one seated on the throne a scroll, a scroll written on the inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud in, with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? <clears throat> and no one in heaven or on earth or under. Th- the earth, was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. Then one of the elders came to me. Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered, so, he, so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders a lamb standing as if it had been slaughtered having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of the one who was seated on the throne. When he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell before the Lamb, each holding a harp and, a, and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. They sing a new, a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals. For you were slaughtered, and by your blood you, ransor- you ransomed for God saints from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests serving our God, and they will reign on earth. That's supposed to be a song, but. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels surrounding the throne and the living creatures and the elders. They numbered myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands singing with full voice. Worthy is the Lamb that was slaughtered to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them singing. To the one seated on the throne and to the Lamb be blessings and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. That's a good one. There's a lot to unpack there. So you just want me to
0: start? Yeah, go for it. Whenever you want to add something, just let me know you want to add something and I'll, I'll start to wrap up my idea and then you can go. Um. So I, the first thing I noticed is the imagery they use. Uh, I don't know exactly who wrote Revelation. It was like Paul, right? John? Right. It was John? Yeah. John. Yeah, yeah. So John wrote Revelation, and he was uh, obviously... Yeah,
1: John the Baptist, just to clarify. Yeah,
0: and he, he was obviously pretty familiar with the uh, the journey of Christ. And so he uses a lot of the imagery that he is he associates his life with, which would be the christ's journey so a lot of the stuff he's using imagery like the lamb uh he he's u- he's describing it in the way he knows how to but i think we need to we need to make sure that we separate the idea the intrinsic truth that he's talking about and separate that from his own individual life experience because if, if you don't do that you'll get messed up and you'll think that he's saying something that he might not even know he, he like he, you might think he's saying something that he's not saying because he doesn't even know why he's he's using this specific indi- uh, this specific imagery does that make sense like yeah he, he's describing Christ essentially because this is the archetypal uh truth of humanity that he was exposed to but you have to be able to yeah. extract mm-hmm. that from you have to be able to extract the truth of what he's saying from his individual life experience to get
1: the thing. The thing that's interesting here to me is that, so obviously I'm sure you're aware of the parallel between the seven, um, seals seals on the scroll. Mm -hmm. The, uh, there's a lot of other seven imagery in here, seven horns, seven eyes of the lamb. Um, Seven days and of creation. Like slaughtered. So in this, and, like this just, I feel like this is such a clear connection to the seven uh, points of spiritual power in the in the spinal cord, right? Seven,
0: yeah, the seven points of energy, the seven chakras.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean like, so we're talking about a seal being broken, mm-hmm. which directly fits into the imagery from the Eastern religion yeah. there. And I mean there's all this like there's a there's a lot of evidence that Jesus went to India.
0: Oh he definitely during won, yeah.
1: his dark ages, yeah, like or his dark period. Mm-hmm. But all that shit was scrapped out of the Bible, you know. Can't have any evidence. Yeah, you can't have, he, any, then,
0: yeah, you can't have any have evidence of another religion.
1: Another religion's influence, yeah.
0: That's that's a that's um, a really good um that's a really good uh point you know because you've yeah. been talking about <laughs> oh, I, just
1: I should clarify i just i was just reading about it in um the yoga of jesus yeah, yeah. by uh i mean it's still it's gospel. still
0: a great point and it's interesting because i mean theoretically there's other there's been other spiritual uh there's been other spiritual leaders but it is possible that christ is the first enlightened human right like and that's kind of the the real that's why his story is more influential. And you could even say Buddha got close, maybe closer than any other human. Um, Muhammad maybe got close though. I think Muhammad might be more, uh, that's another story for another time. Wasn't
1: Muhammad after
0: Muhammad was after Christ. Yeah. But he, he kind of founded Islam. Uh, anyways. Um, yeah, but it yeah. is, it is interesting that it's like, it's talking about, uh, how, He's the only one worthy to, unbra- to break this scroll-, scroll. And through breaking this scroll, he, he sets humanity free, essentially. Like he is the one who has the power to break the scroll. He break the seals. He breaks the seals, which you can translate to opening up all the chakra, opening up the full potential of the human power, right? The, the, the divinity within the human. And then right. through him opening this, just like anything in life, the second, something has been done once, humans can now do it more. Like, even look at the what is it, the sub four hour mile, which was seen as impossible like a couple, you know, a couple decades ago. Now, I mean, it's happening all the time, or any sub four
1: minute mile, is it? Yeah, is crazy.
0: that the sub, the sub four minute mile? Uh, I'm thinking of a marathon, I think it's like a sub four hour marathon or something like that. Or sub three hour marathon, but any you can.
1: Look- I was gonna say sub four hour. Yeah, mile, I meant uh, I meant marathon. Mile, three um, mile, but four mile mile. The yeah.
0: idea is the idea is once something has been been done once.
1: Sub four hour marathon? That doesn't sound right either. Whatever. I who think cares? it is, yeah. dude.
0: I think somebody ran that shit. And
1: no, nah, I think that's I think that's more common than you're saying. Sub four hour um, marathon.
0: Anyways, what what the point I'm making is, which is true, whether or my, or not my. Uh, analogies are correct are is that once something has been, been done once it's almost as if it unlocks something in the human collective conscious to where other humans can now do it easier like it's easier for other humans to do it and so it's possible that christ was the first human to reach enlightenment and through him reaching enlightenment breaking these seven scrolls all the other humans now you can see we can even uh where is it exactly um Uh, Where is it? Uh, Then I looked. Uh, Pretty much it says that like. Pretty much it's just saying that Christ opened these seven seals. Now, the biggest thing that I need, I like to. I want to do is separate Christ from the individual person and look at him more as an energetic frequency. A a form of human consciousness, not the individual, and I think that's the biggest problem most people have when reading the Bible, is they see Christ. As yeah, I mean individual. that's
1: something that like every single like red diehard like uh, f- more fundamentalist side Christian would just you know turn off the podcast at. That's fine. Right. Like separating him from the individual. Well, yeah. well,
0: no, because you,
1: my dad, the, my dad would not agree. That, well, hold feeling, on, no. because there's.
0: Life is not. Binary. I'm not
1: saying you're wrong. I'm just. Well, I'm no, not. not I'm just me to clarify. My point.
0: Life is not Sorry, binary. Not Life is not binary. He we're is trying to add that. He is the individual, while at the same time not being the individual. Just like God can be yeah. three personalities in one. I mean, if we're going to accept that concept, it's not that much of a stretch to say, well, Christ can also be two things. He can also be the individual, and he can also be the consciousness that existed before time and space and matter. Um, and the consciousness. I think is what they're referring to here. And I don't think they're referring to specifically the individual, though it was the individual who materially expressed this perfection. Uh, But it's the energetic frequency that is being worshiped. It is the frequency of Christ. The, the Christ consciousness is, is a, is a, a way. Some people say it. Richard war uses that the Christ consciousness. Um, let me read this one more time. It talks about who's worthy to open it, and no one in heaven or earth or under earth was able to open the scroll. That's, that's interesting how it, like, the other thing is, is like what, when you read Revelations, I don't think it's inside of time. I don't think it's a specific future event. There's a lot of people who say, um, there's a lot of people who say that within Revelation, uh it's a future event right like it's just a future he's just seeing into the future and this is all in the future i don't think that when i read revelation it seems like uh john is having a total trip throughout time and space and and matter he's going through all of it and he's even seeing it from a heavenly perspective which means time is irrelevant so when it says and no one in heaven or earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll I don't I think this is something that throughout time has been going on. This isn't one event in the future where so, they're like the sword in the stone, who can pull out this sword and Jesus yeah, walks yeah, up. Yeah. This is something it's for- very
1: much like a, a vision from like 4D space. You're exactly. in like some kind of deep meditative place uh-huh. or or on some kind of psychedelic substance.
0: Or both. And
1: or both, yeah. Um and so when it's
0: saying who's worthy. I think this is this is God looking throughout time at all of the creatures that have ever exist or will ever exist and asking this question to their souls, like who's worthy to open this seal? And so it's not just an individual event in the future. I think it's outside of time. And this is a question that the, the, the mind of God is cur- like consistently probing humanity to figure out who has this consciousness. And so Adam, Adam was the first attempt. And that didn't work because God—that was the first free will—and God probably knew it was going to go haywire. Then we had the second attempt, where Christ came and he showed that it was possible. And so God was like, "Okay, this is possible." And now the third attempt—the third incarnation of Christ, which will complete the um, the the Trinity—essentially will be the next incarnation of Christ, whatever the form that takes, whatever the form of Christ consciousness takes. It could be another human. It could be uh, an organization. I have no idea. I don't think the Christ consciousness is limited to um, one individual, but who knows? I don't don't know specifically. Uh, But it's now. Yeah. No. 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 No.
1: I. I don't either. Just to be clear, and I think the, if you were to hold up the archetypal lens and try to look through and see what you can really pull out of each interpretation, the amount that you can pull out um, for your spiritual growth personally if you take it as he it's a it's a consciousness that his personhood eventually developed into mm-hmm. it's something that exists out there it's a frequency that does exist mm-hmm. that people can attain and he got there and it, maybe it's the hardest thing it might be the hardest thing ever especially yeah, if he's the, the only people... person to actually do it but i don't think it's people
0: like... can attain it because it's not it's you can strive to obtain it and you can get close but to obtain it is uh, I mean how many humans have existed and how many people have we talked about actually obtaining this you know uh, it's, it's not um, and even Christ I mean you would have to go through the Bible but I don't think even Christ bragged about obtaining it if anything he did the opposite he humbled himself and so anybody you know somebody's bullshitting that they're actually enlightened, if they're talking about being enlightened, because that's not what an enlightened person would do, (laughs) you know, like, uh, there's a lot of people who have claimed to be enlightened. But the fact that they're claiming it shows how far away they actually are. Um, And I don't think Christ ever, I mean, he he didn't (coughs) call himself the son of God, he called himself the son of man, for a very specific reason. He was like, I'm not any different from you guys. Like, I'm literally the same. Everything about me is the same. And that was a very key point to his ministry was that he was trying to show other people, I'm identical to you in every way. The only difference is, is I kind of, uh, it was either Socrates or Aristotle, but talks, listens to his daemon, you know, listens to the voice in his head, and never wavers from it. And that's the only thing that separates him from other men is that he never didn't listen to the, the light whisper in his head. Anything it would tell him to do, he did. And it always led him right because he was pure of heart, you know, pure of imagination. Another interesting thing, and this goes back into the Im- imagery, where it talks about who's worthy. Um, and one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion, of tri- the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll." So that's, that's an example where some people might say. No, see, he's very like right here. He's referring to Christ. Christ is the root of David. He's the he was called the tribe of uh, the lion of the tribe of Judah. However, that to me is just uh, John using the imagery that he has to describe the event. I don't think I don't think he knows why he's using that imagery or he's not aware that he's using very specific imagery. But that's that's the only way he can communicate what he knows, because that's within his life experience. But what he's, I think, he, what he's saying, the root of David is also the root of, I mean, the root of David is the root of Adam, right? So you're, you're the root of Adam is essentially all humans. So saying the root of David doesn't really mean anything, because theoretically everybody's the root of David.
1: Um, well, I think it means – it's just like the, uh, it's like the Old Testament Jewish connection. It's like mm-hmm. having more. It's just establishing more ethos. Basically, like establishing more currency to the name of Christ by saying Yes, the, the, exactly.
0: The, the, but I'm yeah. but what I'm saying is that by saying the root of David, you're saying the root of Adam. And the root of Adam yeah. is humanity. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. so using yep. the root of David would it would mean something to the people of the time when John wrote this. But to modern humans, to the modern day people reading, essentially what they're saying is the root of Adam. That, you know, Adam, the root of Adam led to David, who was a king. It's like a story, you know, the hero's journey. And so they're ch- trying to give you like context of how this happened. But as a modern reader, I like to look at that and I say, OK, the tribe of the line of the tribe of Judah, for, for one, a lot of people have been called that in the Old Testament. Like that has been the lion of the tribe of Judah has been imagery they used in the Old Testament for a long time before Christ even came to describe yeah. like. To describe essentially God, right? So when they say, We've no whore, behold the lion of the tribe of Judah, they're not, I don't think he's referring specifically to Christ. Even though he might be, John might be, I don't think that imagery is referring specifically to Christ if you look at the context, because so many humans have used that to describe so many different things.
1: And I also, essentially- I think it's okay if he is t- trying to describe Christ, you know? Like, like I don't I, – I think if he probably is trying to describe Christ in some way or maybe that's he doesn't know exactly, but that's what his, his brain is generating. That's what you're saying?
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying he's using the imagery that he has experience with, which would be Christ, right? Right. But we have the full story because we have the whole Bible and we can read it. And so we know that the lion of the tribe of Judah, which he's using to describe Christ, he 100 percent is. The same with the root of David. He's using it to describe Christ because these are things that led to Christ. Um, <clears throat> what's it called? Credibility. He right. fulfilled these prophecies, right? But as as a modern listener trying to decipher the uh, human experience, right, the human purpose, using the, the code of the Bible, essentially, you have to. To me, you have to be able to look at these terms and separate what the individual was using because each individual has their own experience to work with just like me or you would use would use language that people a thousand years ago or people in a thousand years wouldn't really understand but if you're if you have to decipher because if you have the whole lineage at your fingertips you can you can go back and look at um, what other people used and extract kind of what I was talking about before we started with CS Lewis how all sunsets are unique but what each sunset has in common, you can extract and call it science. But at the end of the day, all sunsets are intrinsically unique. And, and so you essentially what you're what I'm saying is, you have to be able to extract the com, the common, um, the common usage from the phrase from the individual experience, and then you have the truth, right, then you have the science. So and I, I don't know if I'm making sense, but I'm, I'm trying to. So
1: no, no, I get what you're saying.
0: So when he says the lion of the tribe of Judah, that has been used throughout history yeah, yeah, so I, often. Yeah. You have to extract what the, comali- like the common usage was meanting to, to get the truth of what that phrase actually means, which is essentially divinity, God, uh, Yahweh. And then the root of David is essentially saying the root of Adam. Because we know that has been used so much. But if you break it down, Adam, Adam led to David, right? right. Um, and it says the root of David has conquered. And to me, what it's really saying is that humanity has conquered. Because the, 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 the root of David is Adam. And the Lion of Judah is Yahweh. And what it's saying is, is that, that that bond that God created, that was created at the beginning between Adam and God, has been conquered. That sin that originally happened has been conquered, and by conquering it, now we can open the seven seals. And it was conquered through Christ. It was, con- it was conquered through the Christ consciousness that manifested in Yeshua, Jesus, and now humanity So it's like unlocking the
1: seven Eden. seals.
0: Essentially, that's what I'm getting from this. Is that yeah. when you're... you're, you're that just hit me. Yeah, and, yeah. and so, so that's what I was saying. You have to extract the image because if you read that and you just read it by what John is describing, you're saying, Oh, Jesus is just unlocking the seven seals, but it doesn't really mean anything because you don't even know what the seven seals are, you don't know what it means. But if you can extract, if you can extract what those each phrase means, it's like, oh, this is it's literally saying that this, to open the seven seals, which is essentially Eden or heaven or connection to God. There's a million ways to phrase it, is with the relationship between the Lion of the tribe of Judah and the Root of David. And we know that the Lion of the tribe of Judah is used to describe Christ, but it's also used to describe God himself constantly throughout the Old Testament. And the Root of David is essentially describing Adam or humanity. And so it's saying that that relationship is restored, and when that relationship's restored, the seven seals are now open. Damn, bro. Um, and then – and then the lamb, it goes on to describe the throne of four living creatures and among the elders have so, uh, been slain. The interesting thing is with seven horns and seven eyes, it, if you saw that in person, you would piss yourself. It's so funny that they're describing these things. And who, the, like, what kind of drugs was this dude on? You're seeing, like, can you imagine how scarred you would be? Let's say you have a bad trip, right? And you're sitting in your house and you see a throne. In heavenly fire, right, <laughs> and in front of it is a slain lamb with seven horns and seven. Oh, arms.
1: it's so much worse than that at times too. Obviously, it's it's just like it's so what? much more intense than that. Yeah. Write down what you're going to see, and then, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, right. You know you what's know crazy? You? you know what's kind of you know, what's what's kind of crazy is I have a friend, and this is a total anecdotal story, but. <clears throat> who had kind of a similar experience with marijuana because he he started smoking and he, he got into it really, really hard, really, really quick. And so he was smoking a lot. Like, he was smoking every day for, like, the first two weeks he started smoking. And he was taking dabs and stuff. And he was coming back from, uh, from, I think, dropping me off at my house. He was com- going back home. And he had, like, this crazy, like lucid experience where he looked in his rearview mirror and he saw like a demon chasing him he saw a legitimate like demon creature chasing him down in his car and so he kept going and he got home and then he went downstairs and he was fine and then he saw this he the entire room got flipped upside down he said And he saw this demon creature on the ceiling and this demon creature just came down and started talking to him about all the people that were going to die. All the people that were going to get murdered and everyone in his family and how everybody in his family was going to die. And then this demon took his grandma. He took like them in like descending order. He took his grandma and just like killed her right in front of him. And then he took people all the way down his lineage and just like. Killed them right in front of him. Now, obviously, it wasn't so, real, but that's just like people see really crazy shit on drugs sometimes. Man, it's weird. I
0: uh, it's interesting. So that that definitely happened. It was definitely a real demon, uh, and it definitely was a real experience, in my opinion, just from what you're saying. However, um, the reason the demon won was because it got to his mind. Because the demon demon has no power except the power you give it, and so the fact that he gave in to fear. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm just guessing because I I, got, I know I would piss my pants. But the, the fact that he gave in and allowed the demon to even talk to him about these things, the, obviously that's not going to happen unless he believes it. Because demons only the possession thing, the Hollywood, I, the Hollywood version of possession is it's a false narrative. Possession actually takes place in the imagination because humans have the ability of the law of attraction. Right. You what you think you become. And so if a demon can implant an idea into your mind that you actually meditate on or you believe, it's very possible that your mind is strong enough to attract that into your reality. Oh, dude. And the dude, demon feeds Can I that. connect
1: this to something too? Sure. Okay. Well, like with resentment too. I mean that is just an idea that is planted into people sometimes. That mm-hmm. like someone – like someone really – if someone really hurt somebody else – that they just hold on to that like grudge and that hatred for so long. And they may, they probably don't even want to have it, but it's there that, that just like, they just hate them. That's, I think that's totally Mm. potential to be like whatever demonic or something like that.
0: Mm -hmm. It's part of hell and any positive thing is part of heaven. Right. And you it's just a continuous battle between the two forces over the human mind and which one, which one are they going to manifest? Um, So back to Revelation, Uh, another interesting thing is so after uh, the, you know, the root of David has conquered and between the, uh, which are the seven spirits of God sent out to all the earth, he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and 24 elders fell down before the land, each holding a harp and gold, golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying. Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals for you were slain and by the blood of your ransom people for God. So that this is, is again, this is John using imagery that he knows, you know, you, that you're slain. You obviously Christ died on the cross and, right. his, and Christ was enlightened. So he's using imagery that he knows to describe the experience, but we have to extract what this means. So worthy are you to take the scroll and open it seals. So, essentially worthy are you the human who have unlocked the seven seals of the human energetic system and became enlightened and achieved unity with God for you were slain. And by the blood, you ransomed people for God. What he's saying here is that when you reach enlightenment, the enlightened human cannot exist on the earth because the earth is, is hell. Essentially it's, it's satanic territory. It's enemy territory. And so, what he's saying is that for you were slain and by the blood you ransomed people for God. What is sent, like, to me, what he's saying is that once you open the scrolls, a.k.a. you unlock connection to God, you're going to die. There's no other, there's no other place for you to go. That consciousness cannot exist on this plane. It's not designed to. It, but before you die, you can use that to awaken other people. And if you go to the extent where Christ went, you can use it to awaken everybody. You can use it to ransom people for God. Like, your sacrifice, because becoming that enlightened is a sacrifice. Like, I mean, you look at somebody like Gandhi or uh, Francis of Assisi, and you're like, wow, those guys were saints. They're nothing. They're, they're nothing in comparison to Christ, essentially. Uh, though, You know, Christ wouldn't say that. In terms of, like, actual human potential— and so
1: actual human, do you think it's actual human potential or do you think it's just
0: that every human has, but whether or not we unlock it is a, is a yeah, nice yeah, story. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we all have seven chakras, uh, but how many, like, like my fucking chakras, they are like a kinked up garden hose,
1: right? right.
0: And, and you got one that's really bad, your solar plexus, where you feel emotion and sympathy. My shit's real kinked up. Oh uh, God, my, that
1: makes so much sense. yeah
0: and and, or or your heart chakra or your throat chakra where some people don't have the ability to say what they want or express things express ideas or feelings that's that's your throat chakra maybe that's really keyed up and then even like and then to the point where you get to your crown chakra which is your connection to the spiritual because the, the flow starts at your root your nuts and it goes up right but if everything is kinked up on the way, you get no flow, the, no water is running to your crown chakra, and you have zero connection to the spiritual realm.
1: So how, what do so, you do to make it better? Is there anything? Well,
0: it depends on how hippy-dippy you want to go. My sister would tell you, you know, each each chakra has a, a color assigned to it, wearing certain colors, um, carrying around crystals of a certain energetic no. vibration, uh, smelling certain things, you uh, well i don't know i don't know i don't know i don't know either don't but know. it just
1: seems so unlikely the,
0: I, well how how limiting are you putting the human consciousness i mean it's it's very just like against totally... all the
1: other people who I actually value who came and passed in history it's like against like christ what do you mean like Christ wasn't going around holding mean? crystals and and you know Channeling her ener- his energy through these bright colors he was wearing. No, he was channeling uh, it internally. Well, it's music. all internal, bro. Holy shit. Man. Yes. It's, it's all internal. yes.
0: Uh, but but we're not Christ. And any any advantage we should probably
1: take. What and and uh, yeah, I I don't know, man.
0: I'm I'm. I'm seems good. like I'm it seems like it's, agree with this or don't. It's kind of
1: like, a, in my opinion, it's it's some it's something of like a you know the bible uses the the imagery of the like there's a big path and a lot of people are going down it and that shit leads to hell yeah. and there's a little path off to the mm-hmm. side and people go down that that shit leads to heaven and i feel like that is directly paralleled with the fact that it's a small it's a small road to understanding meditation and like it's a small road to understanding the chakras and centering that consciousness like that that is and it's something that's really difficult to do, and it requires a solid percentage of your life and dedication to be able to pull it off. Can I make a? Can I play Devil's Advocate? Send it, buddy.
0: Uh, so you're saying you don't need help, and then why do meditation? If you don't need help, then why meditate? That's technically help, right? I mean, that's something that you're doing to, you're using as a tool to help unlock the the chakra system or open open up your energetic flow. So. You could you could break it down to the point where you're just like, oh well, you just have to do nothing and hope it happens, or you can say, well, or you can take steps, whatever those steps may be, as as minute as they might actually help. And the fact remains is that the human mind is more powerful than anything. If you're wearing colors because you're trying to open up an energetic system, it might not actually do anything, right? But the idea that you're doing something might be what matters. Yeah, and I mean, the that's idea that you're trying to every focus
1: religion ever, yes, yeah.
0: Sure. Yes. So so to say, oh, you shouldn't wear crystals or you shouldn't wear colors. I don't know. But the fact that you're focusing on it and actually putting effort and and doing an external thing to to help yourself, I think is what matters more than but the it's actual such
1: thing. a lazy so, external thing. It's like you buy clothes of it? certain colors and then you buy what bracelets of certain colors and you buy these crystals and then you go around town with them. It's like, oh, attention is never easy. Attention
0: is never easy. The fact that you're putting effort means that you're not being lazy. And effort always requires consciousness. And consciousness is never a bad thing. Yeah, I mean, I had this conversation
1: with my friend McGill about prayer. I'm not against praying. Let me clarify. I think praying
0: depends on the praying.
1: I think praying is complicated. I, I don't really, I don't really get it. I've never had a connection to it personally, but I do register. Well,
0: you're talking about the
1: connection between meditation and improvement in the self and the way of looking at the world.
0: But prayer is just meditation if done correctly. I mean, I, I don't think the whole um, show show off that people do at church to show how spiritual they are. Is prayer? I don't think that's prayer. I think that's a performance. And there's a yeah, but what? So what
1: prayer. is prayer? Get specific. Uh,
0: prayer, prayer is. If you're praying, you're not asking God for anything. The second you ask God for something, God heal this person, you're not praying.
1: You're talking. Isn't it? I feel like. T- I feel like I've had a lot of conversations with people about specific auditory sounds that you make when you're praying. And I don't really think that matters. I think praying is about accessing a condition of your heart that God then sees and then seeks a communion with that condition. So it's like your heart has to be in. When I say heart, I don't mean technically the thing that's beating inside of you necessarily. I I just mean like you have to really be seeking that communion, like that communion place in your heart. And it's better Mm -hmm. to just be silent while you're doing that seeking that finding it
0: well there there was a really good quote i can't remember it exactly but it 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 might have been Lewis. i'm not sure but it essentially is saying how when you pray you you're entering you remember when the um israelites were walking across the desert and they had like the seven tent layer tent and then in the middle they had the covenant of the ark and only the highest priest could go in there so christ unlocked the seven seals right or the seven tents or whatever it was so that we all could go inside and seek the covenant, or which is the glory of God or the essence of God. And so what you're doing is we don't have to do the tent. We don't have to do the ritual of purification. We don't have to sacrifice a fucking billy goat to get to God. We, we have access to God directly. The problem is, is that when you're, when you're in the presence of God, there's no way you have the balls to ask him for shit. There's no way. You, you, you don't if you if you are actually in the presence of God, the only thing you can do and the only thing that we ever can see anybody do in the presence of God is fall on your fucking knees and praise him. That's the only thing you can do. So, you know, somebody's not in the presence of God when what they're doing is they're asking nonstop for shit. You and you can do just listen to people when they pray. Jesus, we, we ask you to, to come into this place. Why are you asking God to come into this place? He's already here. Shut up. Yeah. God, we ask you to heal uh, Berta's uh, knee. You don't think he knows that? How about Berta? How about Berta starts enjoying life a little bit and, and loving God? And maybe maybe if she uplifts her spirit, her knee will heal itself, right? Maybe God doesn't need to do anything because he's already doing it. And the only person stopping the healing process or the, the mind's potential to heal itself or the body, is Berta's unwillingness to let go and sacrifice her her ego, right? Like, she's blocking, she has chakras that are kinked, and it's not allowing the energy to flow through the body, which would be optimal health.
1: And, and, and that's or, part or, of it, and then also, I think part of it is also, I think God, I don't know, we can get into a discussion about this, but I do think God, there is an element of God that is kind of like material in the sense that, like Christ said, um, to those who have much, more will be given, to those who have uh, none, all will be taken, right? Something like that. Yes. So, like, yep, <clears throat> there is a sense of like um, focus on material reality within the Bible overall. Definitely. And especially in the old Testament, but you can't, I don't know if you want to count that because Christ is kind of what, it, what it's all about.
0: But. Well, it's, it's again, it's human experience. Like they, 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 they used imagery that they had just like me and you do. And, and you have, again, it, the only reason they're expressing material, you know, material things is because that's what they had to use to express. That's all they, that's all they knew. Um, and and the spiritual side of humanity has always been there. However, how we express that, those spiritual things has changed because we, our imagery has been added on and added on and added on to the point where we are now, where we can express these complex ideas in a more precise way because we have thousands of years of um, thousands of years of expression to reference, and so we can we can pick and choose what is the best way. But those ancient humans, those older humans, they didn't have that at, at all. All they had was observed. What had. Yeah, is what they observed. So they used what they observed, yeah. and that's why you get this seemingly material. Um, I don't know. They, they uh, obsessing like they use material to describe spiritual, but that's just what they had to do.
1: It's well, yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Way. It's so. Uh, yeah, I just wonder what it was like for like. Christ's apostles at that time, because they were just fishermen, right? They were so, all they're they're yeah, all done. they all dumb. just completely
0: regular the dudes right word.
1: for that time. And Christ just said, "I will make you fishermen." <laughs> well, there was a couple smart ones. Like, like, there was
0: a you know tax collector, there was a lawyer, um, but then there was a couple fishermen. Which one was Judas? You know? and what I think was that... his
1: occupation? Judas, and <laughs> trees, so he could hang himself on him. something. <laughs>
0: Something like that. Now that, that was, yeah, That, was Dude, awesome.
1: that um, thing with Judas is the, wild. Uh, that's that's a uh, that's that's complicated.
0: Oh, the big one. Did Judas go to heaven? That's a that's an age old question. And most Christians, ninety nine percent, ninety nine point nine, will say no, he didn't go to heaven. He betrayed Christ. How could he go
1: to? Yeah, but Peter did, and Peter, I say Peter betrayed him three times, and he wept bitterly, and yeah. so did Judas. That's why he fucking killed himself, bro. He's like fuck reality. Well, I can't handle the, but- the guilt. Well,
0: I think that people have a misunderstanding of Judas because I think he was—he he obviously made a huge mistake, right? But he did remorse, and. <laughs> But, but the problem is, and this is a very interesting allegory on the human experience, because you have Paul, right, who, who betrayed Christ three times, and then you have Judas. Both of them betrayed Christ. However, one of them had much more severe consequences than the other. And why is that? And I don't think, and I don't think Christ saw Judas's uh, betrayal in a, in a greater way than he saw Paul's. I think he saw them the Peter, same. If anything, Peter. I think he saw Paul's, Peter, Peter, I think he saw Peter's as in greater magnitude, his betrayal as in greater magnitude than he did Judas. And the reason I think that is because Judas was just fulfilling fate, right? Like, I mean, before it even happened, Christ called Judas out on it, you know? He was like, you're going to do this. There's nothing you can do. So, and this is a very interesting question on free will. Like, you know, like, so... But here's the here's the, the kicker to try to keep it simple because we could talk about this forever is that when Judas made his mistake, he remorsed, he gave back the gold. He's like, I don't want this shit. Let him go. You know, like let him free. I made a horrible mistake. It's not like he kept it and was like, ha ah, fuck Christ. He was like, I I need I can't do this. I made a horrible yeah, mistake. Yeah, yeah. Like, take your money back, yeah. let him go. He's yeah. he's innocent. Um But at, by that point, the one mistake he made allowed the devil Allowed evil into his his mind, right? And even in, in. No matter how much he remorse, that one mistake opened up a gate, and something took, something went through, right?
1: So, well, I mean, he was also, tormented by in, this in thing. in a certain sense, if you believe the, um, if you believe the Bible's, you know, direct notion of the miracles christ performed and the kind of like the kind of just the the person he was it's almost logical that if you hand people over for that person to be killed it's like it's almost logical to go hang yourself it's almost like fuck this it's like how could i become well
0: it's almost payment it's almost like payment he's like well i took christ's life uh i have to sacrifice my own right? That might be the only way. And, and I think at that point, the devil was tormenting him um, so much. That, and, and he was weak. Obviously, he was weak. He, fuck, he sold his, his master's life for 30 silver pieces, right? He was obviously a weak-minded right. human. And so it's not unlikely that once he sinned and opened the gate for something to come in and torment him, an evil spirit to come in and torment him, that evil spirit had total control. Just like your friend when he gave in to the fear of the, the demon chasing him, the demon then took his mind and said, I'm going to kill this person and this person and this person. And it just went down the list and started tormenting him. Right. And, and I, I think that since your friend's crown chakra probably wasn't as open as older humans. Cause I think the farther back we go, the more unkinked our energy system is because we were so in tune with nature. Uh, we were Maybe walking. Our diet was probably too. more consistent. Yeah. just overall more healthy. So our energy system was a little bit more open, meaning our connection to the spiritual realm was a little bit more open. Your friend's influence with a demon would not even be close to what an ancient human's influence from a demon would be. Like, it's just not even close. So your friend wasn't drove drove to suicide, but it is possible that if your friend had a more vivid spiritual vision... It's very possible he could have committed suicide. He could have been tormented, even killed.
1: On a complete basis in psychology, there's all kinds of names for disorders where people are seeing shit like this all the time and they're, you know, having to avoid killing themselves. Like, I have another friend who has, um, he's like, I think he has psychotic depression. So he gets these waves of depression suddenly and he feels like he needs to kill himself. Feels like he needs to.
0: Yeah, that's all spiritual, in my opinion. Now, I do think that there's there's a scientific way to handle it. I don't think medication is the way. I think it's medication inner peace uh, and, and salvation. Well, medication it just covers symptoms, you know. Like, and if you're yeah. if you're possessed, which I really think that most evil things are, bad things in your life is due to a possession. Uh, if you're possessed you can you can medicate the symptoms which means turn off the part of your brain that the demon is influencing essentially is what that means or or uh, over overdrive the part of your brain that counteracts the part of the demon like if you're depressed you need serotonin so you just overdrive the serotonin and hope that it covers up the depression but that's all it's doing is it's covering up and eventually eventually it will stop working and when it does that demon who has control or that evil spirit has, which has control of that one part of your brain uh, or is influencing that one part of your brain. Um, it will come back so much stronger and then who knows what will happen. That's why medication's bad in my opinion. And that's why I won't take medication for my anxiety. I've been recommended. You're like, Oh, get medication. Go take some antidepressants. Go do something. Yeah, like, oh, I know my girlfriend talks to me deal... about depression
1: too. This is I, I'm like, depression. I would rather
0: deal with my, uh, I'd rather deal with my problems as they are then cover them up for yeah bro, totally can, totally and then have to deal with a, a crazier magnitude whenever that shit eventually runs out eventually you can't cover up the mess
1: anymore yeah and it, it just uh, comes out it's brutal man it's brutal i do think there's but certain a certain ps- human oh hold up
0: whenever you're done with this thought uh we'll finish the uh Verse five, because there's one more thing I want to say.
1: Sorry, I'm muting my mic. Can you hear the demo?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, but it, I
1: mean, it's, um, oh shit! What was I gonna say? I I do think there's certain situations. Uh, where... I mean, I think people with with certain kinds of mental illness, where like they are constantly, they're they're almost like. They're just literally constantly interfacing with like demons and shit like that. Like, the, maybe the only way out for them in the immediate circumstance would be medication, because like maybe they, they couldn't even potentially mm-hmm. make it through like a ten-minute meditation session. Uh, set, like um, session, you know. And there's a lot of people who are just like really dumb, bro. There's a lot of people who are really dumb.
0: Oh, dumb, dumb. Mm-hmm. If they're unconscious. Dumb, dumb is a. Uh... Dumb is hard because dumb is relative, you know, uh, even a neurosurgeon can be dumb in farming. So dumb is just relative, but unconscious is where you have real threat for possession, in, in my opinion. And a neurosurgeon and a farmer can be unconscious. Oh, sure, yeah. Intelligence is not, uh, intelligence is not a, a factor in spirituality. It's, um, uh, consciousness and awareness is the is the factor how how conscious are you if you're conscious enough you can know the second a demon starts whispering in your ear
1: and you can just cast intelligence helps you be more conscious conscious to a certain extent though like once you
0: get over it, mm.
1: it's an interesting just because it, how, it how do you think it unlocks okay? the ability to for some people like some people I can't even believe some people's nutrition. Like people I work with at King Supers who come into Starbucks every day and just eat whatever the fuck, whenever the fuck. And that's the way they've been eating for so long. And they just have so much sugar in their diet. And they're like barely there. Like yeah. the wavelength they're able to produce when you're communicating with them is it's just so frail and fragile. It just needs to be protected. It's like... uh.
0: There's a good. I, quote, I don't know. Um,
1: I just that feel like said, they're, they're, they're. It's kind of like dumb. It's kind of dumb. It's just kind of dumb to not pay attention to new. Okay,
0: well, but you, if you feel okay, like sure, you're missing the. So there's a quote that says, "Knowledge is power and ignorance is bliss." Most people can't settle for one and end up with neither. And and I think this kind of ties into what you're saying. You're saying knowledge is power. Therefore, the being knowledgeable or intelligent gives you power, right? And, and power unlocks the ability to be conscious because consciousness is power. But ignorance is bliss and bliss is power. Peace is power. Peace is consciousness to some degree as well. So the problem is, is that both ignorance and, and ignorance in the sense that you're not thinking too hard about things, not dumb, not unintelligent or unconscious. Ignorance is not unconscious. In this specific example, ignorance can be used as a, as a word for unconscious. But in this, in this quote, I don't see that that's what ignorance means. Ignorance just means uh, you're not overthinking things. You're not, you're not trying too hard. You're, you're, ig- you're willfully ignorant, which is, is a powerful thing. Um, and so knowledge is power. Ignorance is bliss. Most people can't settle for one is the problem. And they end up with neither. And so there's a lot of people who they want to be intelligent, right? But they're not. Sorry. <laughs> Most people want to be knowledgeable or intelligent people. They want to be knowledgeable. But they can't handle the pain and suffering that comes with intelligence. The discomfort that comes with scrutinizing the world in every single detail and, and seeing past.
1: And the discomfort that comes with rigorous learning. It's, it's a
0: painful to- thing. And any intelligent person, really great minds, are tormented. They're tormented, and but they're willing. They're willfully sac- sacrificing peace for power, and that that's fine. That's totally fine. Then, then there's the other side. There's, Wait, there's who's, that farmer who who's does nothing but farms,
1: has a lo- tortured for, for
0: power. And intelligent people, intelligent people, right. People who people who sacrifice ignorance, for for knowledge, you're tormented because people can't lie to you. you. You see past the illusions, you see past the social structures. Things don't make sense. You don't know why you're going through these daily tasks because they seem so dumb and you know they're not doing anything. And you see how, how futile life is and how infinitely small each individual life. And when you see a dead kid on the side of the road, you feel nothing because you know there's a million more happening around the world. You're not, you're not sad by a dying dog. or sad from your dying parents. Nothing, nothing. Nothing that, well, this is the problem with knowledge because you see through God's eyes is essentially what God, I mean, God is knowledge. And so you can get to the point where you're so intelligent. It's nothing but pain because you see the futility of the human experience, which you are experiencing. And that means you see the futility of your life and you see the futility of relationships and laughter and love. And these things you're you're questioning and scrutinizing and your brain can never turn off and you can never just enjoy an experience because you're too busy questioning everything. It's horrible. It's horrible, and then there's the other side. But well, well, I mean, power, Christ was immensely intelligent.
1: I think I would argue.
0: Uh, yeah, hold on, hold on. We'll get to that. Um, but then there's the other side, the 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 dumb farmer, right? Who wakes up every day at sunrise, feeds his cows. You know, has some kids running around who he he treats right. Has you know, a I'm wife sure that loves him life. and cooks some food watches the sunset every day, yeah. and goes to bed. It's bliss. For it's sure, bliss. Really but feel like it's, you're it's, it's framing it in
1: context that helps prove your point at every level. So, like, there's okay, also sure. an uh, an entirely, well, like, other side to this where if you're a blissful... Sorry, go ahead. Well, you're now. not letting me finish. If, if so you're not a continue blissful, your point, you know, want to hear wandering, you to fat, nutritionally deficient, just just not taking care of yourself... <laughs> What? <laughs> like, like, just you can still be blissful. Just lost and astray, and you're making no money, and you're having, you know, you're you're completely unconscious, you're unconscious, and you're lost, and you're astray, and you're also really okay. So not you wouldn't do good on an IQ on the IQ section.
0: But I just said, I just said at the beginning when I'm talking about ignorance in this contest, I'm not referring to unconsciousness. It's not okay. I'm the ignorance
1: of enjoying of enjoying. Like, of, of doing whatever of you, want you want,
0: of overthinking. No, of overthinking things. Oh, you're you're, you're
1: okay, ignorant okay. okay.
0: in this context that I'm using is overthinking. You're not thinking about why things are, you're not thinking about how things are. You do what comes when it needs to be done. You're doing things. You're not unconscious. You're not lazy. You're just not overthinking. You're accepting life as it is, right? Christ was both knowledgeable and ignorant. He, he, he didn't overthink, but he also knew. And that made him very, very, very powerful. Most people can't be both. 90, like it's like the number, there's been a couple of humans that have been able to be both. You're essentially enlightened if you can be both knowledgeable and ignorant. However, me, you, that fatty down street,
1: I mean, he it can. is like one of it's the most possible. tortured we have people to choose one. of all the time. And he's also obviously super intelligent. I mean, and he overthinks. Very, very, very yes. um, thoughtful. So,
0: And so what I'm, what I'm saying, there, you're right. Christ was both. But to be both oh, yeah, totally. is not an easy totally. task. And it's yeah. even more tormenting. Probably. It's more tormenting than just be knowledgeable. Most people can't settle for one. Most people want to be knowledgeable. They want to be intelligent. They want people to to listen to their their opinions and and be able to prove people wrong. But they also want to be ignorant. And they end up with neither. And that's where most people fall, 99%, is that they can't choose one. They can't live with the suffering of intelligence. And they can't live without the bliss of ignorance. And they end up in this, you know, when Christ says that you're lukewarm, he's going to spit you out. That's essentially what he's saying. He's like, there's two paths and both work, both work. You can be ignorant, which means in this context, not unconscious, but uh, non overthinking. You're not overthinking life. You're, you're doing life, you're living life and you're enjoying life without thought essentially. And you're, 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 in, you're, you're dancing with life and you're, you're just letting life lead you on this dance and you're not resisting it. And then there's the knowledgeable person who overthinks every step and ends up stumbling sometimes actually stumbling a lot, but they're still dancing with life. Right. And at the end of the day, dancing with life is the path to to God. If you do both, if you do both, life ends up not dancing with you because it can't stand you trying to lead and it can't stand you always overthinking every step. And it you keep changing right here. You'll, you'll dance and it's like, okay, we're in a flow and then you'll stop it real quick. And, and it's, it's, to be both and do it correctly means you're enlightened. If you do both and you, you're not enlightened, you end up with neither. So I don't really know why I started talking about this quote. But it's a good quote. But yeah, you, have to, you have to change some definitions for it to work.
1: Why do you we think that works this? in general with people's lives too? Like on the – What, do you, what yeah. do you mean? Yeah, no. I think I, – I, yeah, it's oh, a good point. Point. wait what do you mean works with
0: people's life to not normal? be
1: lukewarm so like if you're really trying to set out to make an impression on the earth or you're really trying to you have some kind of purpose you're setting out to try to achieve some kind of enlightened consciousness you're setting out for toward whatever it might be like you just have to strive one one dimensionally
0: almost oh god dude if you're striving to be enlightened not striving
1: to, to be, be enlightened but striving I, I feel,
0: for one I feel like enlightenment you striving like to be a, famous
1: it's like a long spectrum and every movement you make in the direction of it is reciprocated on that spectrum it, it moves Six you lifetimes. it moves you and of course that's the phrase well. enlightenment way <laughs> the hell out there everybody. Everybody. every no. single movement moves you towards that direction
0: I so. think enlightenment I think enlightenment takes lifetimes. And I think the Christ consciousness actually manifested multiple times throughout history in multiple individuals and it wasn't refined, it wasn't essentially, it wasn't refined until Christ, you know? And that's when we saw the Christ consciousness. But I still think it hits people. I think it hits people. And I think what happened was it, it manifested in individuals throughout life. It's very possible that Buddha was a manifestation of the Christ consciousness. I mean, they call him Krishna for a reason. Or, you know, in Hindu, they have Krishna, right? Like, Christ did not come from Christianity. Christ, like, it was before the idea of this Christ consciousness existed before. Once you read the Gita, you'll, uh, you'll see, like, oh, they, there's been other Christ figures throughout humanity that, that the, the church will never talk about. Because that goes against their narrative yeah, yeah. of Christ being the one and only. It, the Christ consciousness is the one and only. That's what we're worshiping. Not the individual. God didn't. Jesus didn't want us to worship Him. He wanted us to follow the the, yeah, yeah. the consciousness. That was right what it, that there, was his yeah. whole fucking uh, dude. It it makes me so mad. It makes me so mad. Like worship oh. Jesus? No, don't worship Jesus. Follow Jesus. Manifest Jesus. What are you talking about? Worship Him? Why? Don't don't. You're worshiping. Anyways, Jesus is just a path to God. Why would we worship Jesus when he's he's a he's oh, a dude. version of God? He Showed right? us that we're all
1: you're putting all the, the, the what's it called God we're all very close to him and that there is a path to connection. Yeah.
0: Like Christ led the way to salvation, right? Well, what's salvation? Salvation is opening the seven seals. Well, how do you open the seven seals? You get your life in order. You, you you help other people. You open up your chakras. You achieve enlightenment. You achieve connection to God. And by doing that, by enlightening yourself, you're going to vibrate positive energy throughout you and everything around you. You know how Jordan Peterson talks about this. You don't want to just get better for yourself, you want to get yeah, better for, for yourself sure. and everything around you, right? And when of, you uh, get better, everything around you and, will get
1: better. Uh, the spread of the uh, green yeah. graph. Imagery.
0: Exactly. <laughs> Once you hit that consciousness, uh, everything around you will start to grow. And, 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 but the only way you're doing that is by fixing yourself. It's not yeah, worshiping yeah. Jesus and praying that he, you hope he fixes you. It's you fixing you through the power that Jesus unlocked. It's it. I don't know. It seems simple. Obviously, it's not because yeah, you, look at, you. Uh, look at everybody. It's obviously not. It's it's obviously oh, yeah. not simple. Yeah, but it seems sure. simple. It's but very complicated in
1: actually carrying you know, it out. It's full of diversions at every turn.
0: It's infinitely complicated. It whispers from, from all around the corner.
1: Good pod, bro. Good, uh, hey, that was the best, That might be the best pod we've ever recorded. Honestly, pod. It so many- best pod.
0: Best pod. Easy, easily best pod. Yeah, man. I think so we should. Like I think we should hour, keep.
1: Twenty um, minutes. We came up with barrels, bro. We came up with barrels.
0: <laughs> barrels. We were. We were. We were full. We Came out with
1: barrels. Came out with me.